We are called to live faithfully for Jesus 168 hours a week. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast with Brandon and Chris. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast. My name is Chris and I'm here alone. This time, both Brother Rob and Brother Brandon couldn't be here, uh, both due to just some circumstances that they're having to deal with. Rob, he's got a medical circumstance. He's recently had to have some dental work done, and so just be in prayer for him as he continues this road of recovery. And Brother Brandon and his church are getting ready for a fall festival, so be in prayer for his church as they pursue this fall festival and just pray for a good outcome and that through that fall festival that Jesus would be glorified and people would come to know him as their Lord and Savior. And so tonight, if you are listening to this, we're going to talk about walking in love. And that's a major theme with the Faith 168 podcast because we're all about walking with Jesus 168 hours of every week. And so when we walk in love, that that's what it means to follow Jesus. Because when you're walking with Jesus, when you're following his commands, when you're doing what he has called you to do, you're going to do it in love. And not just any type of love, not that you're being the most friendly person or that you're going around and having, uh, you know, a time with people and, and giving people hugs and high fives and handshakes and things like that. That's not the love we're, we're talking about, though those are certainly good ways of showing affection. Those are great ways of showing love, but we're talking about a very specific love when we walk in the love of God, and that is agape love. Agape is God's unconditional love. That's a love that we share with all of creation, and it's simply a love that we look at like this. You are a creation of God. God wants a relationship with you. Therefore, you are worthy of this unconditional love. And so we're nothing without this unconditional love, without this agape love. And we know that scripture tells us as well, uh, if you read through 1 John chapter 4, that God is that agape love, that it's not just a part of him, but he is the definition of agape love. And today we have to realize that God has called us, his church, to walk in his agape unconditional love. And so what we're going to review in this episode is what Paul writes to the church of Ephesus about walking in love in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 through 14. And let's just go ahead and jump into the scripture starting with the first two verses. And Paul writes this, therefore be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. And so the first thing we see here is that we as Christians are called to walk in love, to walk in sacrifice, just as Christ did. And to understand that, how how do we do that? How do we apply that to our lives? We have to understand that we as humans often imitate the people that we 
walk with the most, that we spend the most time with. Amy Morin, a licensed clinical social worker and psychotherapist, the author of 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do, says the reality is that you're likely to start acting more like the people you surround yourself with. When you pick friends who make poor choices, you could get dragged down fast. When you choose people who inspire and challenge you to be better, you'll increase your chances of reaching your goals. And that's something we need to think about too as Christians. Who are we spending time with? And now I'm not going to go on a whole tangent we could uh, about how we need to pick our friends better and we need to surround ourselves with other Christians. We've talked about that before on the Faith 168 podcast and we'll certainly talk about it again. But if we're going to fulfill this mission to walk in love, specifically unconditional agape love, we need to review who we are spending the most time with. And the only way we can do that is by spending time with love. And as I said before, God is love. And so if we want to imitate God, we must spend more time with him and also the people who imitate him. And so you might find yourself in a slump as a Christian and say, man, it is really tough to love people today. It's really tough to fulfill my calling as a Christian. And here's what I would ask you to consider is how much time are you spending with God? How often are you reading his word? How often are you spending time in prayer? How often are you applying the word to your life? Because again, as I said before, you know, spending time in the word of God is is good, but it means nothing if you don't take that word and apply it to your life. And so if we want to imitate God, we've got to spend more time with him. We've got to start reading the Bible more often. In fact, I encourage you to make a time because guess what? There's never going to be enough time in the day to read the Bible. But for the things that matter most to you in life, what do you always do? You make time for it. If you want to spend more time with your kids, you make time to spend more time with your kids. If you want to play more video games, you make time to play more video games. If you want to do anything that means something to you, you make the time because the time just isn't there. And so if you want to walk in love, if you want to fulfill God's command in your life, here's what you're going to do. You're going to make time to spend time with God. You're going to set aside a time each day to read his word, to devote yourself to prayer and and applying his word to your life. And, And we're told to imitate the Father. We're told to spend time with the Father. In fact, if you read Matthew 5, 48, uh, where, where Jesus says, therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. He's telling you, spend more time with him. Seek that spiritual maturity that you can only gain as you spend more time with your Father. Luke 6, 36, Jesus says, therefore be merciful just as your Father also is merciful. How are you to do that? You have to spend time with the merciful Father and Allow that to rub off on your life so that you can be an imitator of him. And even if you go back a chapter in Ephesians chapter 432, 
We see that we're to do this, to be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. And then ultimately, one of the greatest verses to that can almost go with any sermon that you preach is Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And the only way for us to have spiritual maturity, the only way for us to really have that mercy, the only way for us to be kind and tender-hearted and forgiving is to be a living sacrifice, to read the Word of God, apply the Word of God, and walk in love. And when we walk in love, here's what happens. We walk in the righteousness of God and away from the things that displease God which we see as we continue to read. Because in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3 through 4, it continues on. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving thanks. You see, these are actions that you will find in someone who imitates the world rather than God. And so if these are actions that you're looking at and you're finding that these are the things that really portray who you are, it's not necessarily that you're not a Christian because we as Christians can fall short of the glory of God, especially when we're not spending time with him. But what it's saying is that you're spending more time with the world than you are with God. And if we are to ever accomplish our mission as Christians, what we have to do is spend more time with God than the world. And, and so when we look at that, these are these are things really to think about. I, I mean, we can look at fornication, say, hey, you know, we're doing great on that. You know, we're we're, we're not defiling the marriage bed or, or covetousness. Sometimes we don't do as good a job on that, but sometimes we even say, you know, well, I'm not I'm not coveting anything. I'm not trying to to be jealous of what other people have have acquired. But it says, don't let any of these things be named among the saints. And here's here's the ones that that sometimes we kind of look over. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving thanks. And, and that's a tough one because we live in a world that is consumed with this idea that that things like comedy and and television and uh, you know just the things we see in social media it, it's full of filthiness it's full of foolish talking and and coarse jesting but these things are things of the world and if there's ever a time that someone says well well cussing's not covered in in scripture well right here Paul is talking about that not just swear words. But, but anything that is demeaning, anything that brings people down, anything that doesn't edify someone or bring glory to the name of Christ, we have to ask ourselves, why are we doing that? And oftentimes, it's because we are spending more time with the world. I find that the things that I allow in my life uh, really affect how I live, the, the social media I pay attention to the movies that I watch, the music 
that I listen to, the video games that I play, when when they portray a certain message and a certain lifestyle, the more I let those things pour into my life, the more of that filthiness, the more of that garbage starts coming out. Uh, in fact, there's been many times where there have been studies on uh, students and, and even older people uh, with with video games specifically, and uh, they they would take video games and and have one kid play the violent video games like Call of Duty or Grand Theft Auto, and then they would give uh, more peaceful video games like Minecraft and and other games that are like that. There's not many games that you can really look at and say, oh, those are peaceful, but maybe like basketball or football or, or something like that. Those might fall in the same realm, but but think of these violent shooting games compared to Minecraft. There's a huge difference. And then when given uh, time to react to certain scenarios, the kids that that played the violent video games were more aggressive and more violent in their reactions to these different scenarios, while the ones that were playing things like Minecraft that are just simply building things up and, and making a little fortress for yourself and it has this calm music playing in the background the whole time. Those kids, they were least violent. They, they didn't have violent reactions. They had more calm reactions. And so you see that the stuff that you let pour into you is the stuff that's going to be pouring out. And they did the same study with music, too. They, they played music, like uh, classical music for one group, and then violent uh, music with, with violent messages and, and drug references and sex references and things like that. And, and they gauged the response to certain scenarios from each group and again the ones that listen to things like classical music and I would say this too if you listen to just Christian Christian music you'll find the same reaction that what you let pour into you is what's going to come pouring out and so these are things that are of the world but it says don't let these things be named among you. Don't don't give uh, a way for filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving thanks. And we should be thankful that we have been delivered from sin. And the best way to show thanks is not to return to that bondage of sin that so easily ensnared us. And, and that's when we can go back to Romans chapter 12 again and, and look at verse 2. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so the best way, again, to walk in love and to share uh, God's unconditional love with this lost and dying world around us is not to let the world in as we're out there in the world preaching the gospel, but to continue to to seek out God in our lives, to make time for him, to spend time with him. So that way we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And then we see in verse 5 through 7, it says, For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers 
with them. And, and this isn't to scare someone who has failed in the flesh. Uh, those who have not put their faith in Christ are judged simply based on their works. And, and this is what they are known as. If you put your faith in Jesus, you're not judged based on your works, but you're judged based on the finished work of Christ. And though we still fail in the flesh, a genuine faith in Jesus still leads us away from sin. And it would be evident that we imitate Jesus rather than the world. And people can see that change. I remember when I put my faith in Christ as an eight-year-old, I I was an ornery kid. Uh, people could definitely tell that there was something wrong in my life. And I put my faith in Jesus. And the next day I, I ran into school, which is where most of my honoriness was, was seen and known. And I told my teacher, hey, I became a Christian. And she said, we'll see. And, and for a long time, I thought that was the most cruel thing that she could said. We'll see. We'll see. Like, like you can't just take my word for it. But that's not what she meant at all. What she meant was if I really became a Christian and I started spending time with God, started reading the Bible, had a prayer life, then she was going to see that honoriness that I had, all of those bad deeds that I was doing, all of that disobedience that was in my life, she was going to see it dissipate. Not all at once, but little by little, God was going to break up those things that did not conform to his will. And he was going to transform me and and make me into someone that looked more like him. So that way, as I live my life, people no longer see Chris, the disobedient, angry kid, but they see Chris, the one who was transformed by Jesus, and now we see not his works being done, but the works and the will of the Father are being done through him. And, and so another thing we need to note here is that we don't need to let anyone deceive us that the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Uh, there, there are Christian religions based on the principle that God doesn't pour out his wrath upon unbelievers. And and truly, I, I believe this as we look through scripture that God does not wish to punish his creation. We see that time and time again where, where he wants all of mankind to be saved. He wants all of mankind to repent and have a relationship with him. And that's why he created a way to salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. But if we reject God to the day that we die, his wrath is going to be poured out on us. And, and we can't pretend that God is not concerned with our sin either or the way that we present ourselves as his followers. Because that, that that's another big thing as Christians, you know, we 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 take this freedom from sin. The the fact that, you know, when Paul writes about how where sin abounds, grace abounds much more, we we can read that and then stop reading the rest of Paul's letter to the Romans at that point uh, and say, you know, well, I, I can sin because God's grace abounds and he forgives me and he takes care of me and, and it doesn't matter what I do from here on out. But but Paul goes on to say, so that that grace abounds, but sin abounds much more. So 
to prove that, to show the, the greatness of the grace of God, shall we continue on in sin? And he says, certainly not, because how could we who have died to sin live in it any longer? And, and so we, we have to understand that as Christians, we're not called to continue walking in this world or to be like the old man or woman that we once were before Christ, but we're to allow him to transform us into a person that brings glory uh, to his name. Uh, and, and so uh, we can't act like our faith is fire insurance and continue to live a worldly life after professing Christ as our Savior, because that's not faith. That Again, that's that's that typical fire insurance. I'm going to buy this just in case I need it. But, but faith is not a fire insurance. Faith is is a lifestyle and faith is a a life change in that moment that you put your faith in Christ what you're saying is I realize I am a sinner that I am walking this road of condemnation a road to eternal separation from a good and loving God in hell and he wants desperately for me to put my faith in him and not experience condemnation but experience salvation and, and so it's not faith when you choose god for fire insurance faith is when you experience the unconditional love of god that god meets you where you're at in your sin and says i can change you i can i can make you better i can help you stand on your feet and then you submit to him not out of fear not not out of having some type of insurance but because you experience his love you submit to him also in love and, and so this is a call this is a warning that you want to be an imitator of god and not a son or a daughter of disobedience i like what is written in Isaiah 5:20 Woe to those who call evil good and good evil who put darkness for light and light for darkness who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And I think a big point here that we need to understand is that we are called to be set apart from the world. We are called to stand strong in the truth of God. And the only way we can stand strong in the truth of God, again, is to make a time where we sit down and read the truth of God, which is in his word, the Bible that we should be in daily. And, and when we do that, what we do is we begin to stand firm and call sin what it is, evilness, unrighteousness, disobedience. And because we are not disobedient children, but we are children of the Father, we are children of the King, we are not going to be seen as anyone else but the children of God. And so we're set apart from the world in the fact that we don't submit to these worldly ideologies, these these new world religions that are being created. And, and, and there are a lot of them that call themselves Christian religions where instead of confronting sin, they pat sin on the back and say, oh, it's all good. Don't worry about it. Let's not focus on that. But that's not what God wants us to do. God wants us to confront our sin, put it in its place, submit to him and walk in obedience. And I, I tell you this, you cannot walk in love 
if you're not walking in obedience to God because you can't live like the world and then say that you're walking in the unconditional love of God. In Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 through 14 continuing on it says for you were once darkness but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light for the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. See there, that's, that's a very strong thing there. Don't walk in it, but rather expose it. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. And so he starts out there in that passage that we were once darkness, meaning that in the past uh, we, we walked in the darkness, but that's the past. And it doesn't follow us into the present, nor does it follow us into the future as we submit to Christ. Because now we are, now present we are light and the fruit we bear is not the fruit of the world, not the works of the flesh, but the fruit of the spirit. And, and this is what Paul writes in Galatians chapter 5.22 about the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. So just as the sons of disobedience had these characteristics presented, we know what the fruit of the Spirit produces through us. And we're not called to find out what is pleasing and acceptable to the world. We're called to find out what is pleasing and acceptable to God. And how do we do that? There, it's not it's not where we sit around and twiddle our thumbs and, and make up a list ourselves and say, well, I think this is what's pleasing. I think that's what's pleasing. And that's what's wrong with a lot of different churches today that they would rather come up with their own list of what is pleasing and acceptable to God. But God left us his word so that we don't have to figure out what's pleasing and acceptable to him on our own, but we can search out his holy word and find out what it is. And not only are we called to leave darkness behind, but we're called to expose that darkness. And that's very important. I kind of hit on that a little bit earlier, but let's hit on it a little bit stronger right now. We're not called to just leave it behind and say, hey, I've been set free, but we're called to expose the darkness. This is where I was. This is the darkness that I was found in. And because of the glorious light of Christ, uh, I, I was exposed. And, and that's what happened when I became a Christian. The light of Christ exposed my sin. Part of my testimony is the fact that I was caught in sin. Right before I put my faith in Jesus, I told a lie to my mother. I, I told a lie about someone else and I caused a bunch of chaos. And then as I was sitting there looking at the, the chaos go on and how destructive that chaos was just because I told what I thought was a silly little lie, all of a sudden, all of it clicked. The Holy Spirit shone that light in on my sin. And, and then I looked at it and I said, oh my goodness, that is sin. That's what I've been reading about 
in the Bible. That's what I've been hearing these Christians talk about, that that sin that separates me from God. I'm a disobedient child. I am on a path to condemnation, and I need to confront this sin and submit myself to God. And I I knelt down and I didn't kneel down out of fear and say, oh no, I can't believe it. I'm, I'm on my way to hell. I said, oh man, God, I have sinned and you love me anyway and you are still seeking me out. And because of your great love for me, I, I can't help but love you back. And now I want to do what is pleasing to you. I ran into the room. I told my mom that I had lied. Uh, and, and then I said, but it's all right. <laughs> I, I've put my faith in Christ and I understand that that is wrong. I was willing to take the punishment, but my mom was overjoyed that I submitted to Christ. But we're supposed to expose the darkness, not just in our own lives, but in general. Now that's not to say you need to start going around and keep a checklist of everyone's sins and all of the darkness in their lives, because we do also have to look at the plank in our own eye before we start picking out the sawdust out of our brothers and sisters around us, or even the lost and dying world around us. But but stand boldly on the truth of God. There's a lot of lies that are presented in the world today. And, and some of the big ones, for example, uh, people always say, well, why do the Christians harp so much on the LGBTQIA plus whatever letters they got in there? Why do they harp so much on that? Well, the world is harping on it and they're saying that that is truth, that that you can have any type of lifestyle you want and it's going to bring you peace and joy. But we know that the truth of that is that God created us with purpose, even in our physical bodies. To, to go outside of that purpose is not going to bring joy or peace, but all it's going to do is bring destruction. All it's going to do is bring chaos. So we need to stand boldly on that. We need to stand boldly on all of the other lies of the uh that the world is telling and expose them. For example, we're, we're being told now as we see younger people uh, being raised up that, that your relationship, you, you get to do it, move in, move in together before you get married, uh, experience, play marriage, play marriage all that you want before you get married, move in, start a house, start a family, don't get married. But, but, we forget that God ordained marriage between one man and one woman and that that marriage is supposed to play a big role. In fact, if you read through Ephesians and you get to Ephesians chapter six, we find that it shows the the salvation story of Jesus and the church where the woman is to submit to the man just as the church submits to Christ and that the man is the picture of Christ in that marriage and that he is supposed to love the woman and do everything he can to uphold her and give himself for her. And so we see that even in our marriage, it's blessed by God and it's supposed to bring glory to God that as people see that marriage, they see the picture of Christ and his church. But we're called to expose it and not whisper about it, but to expose it by our words, by our actions and everything that we do, we should expose 
this darkness. And I think that's where we've gotten weak as Christians a lot of times. We we don't want to to cause a splash because that's what happens with the world. They're so comfortable in sin. They're so comfortable accepting all of these different lies that the world has promoted and told them is normal. But again, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Uh, that's something we really need to understand because if we allow people to live in the lies of this world, we're just wishing woe upon them. We're, we're just ignoring that and ignoring to share the gospel and even in the hard truths that hit us. Because guess what? When, when I read the Bible, it corrects me often. There are things in my life that I realize as I read the scripture and not even as I read the scripture, but also as I talk to God that I realize do not conform to the will of God, nor do they bring glory to Jesus, my savior. And, and I have to look at that and say, well, I like doing these things. I, I don't want to stop doing these things sometimes, but then I have to bring into consideration the great sacrifice in which Christ made for me. Why would I go back to these silly little sins that mean nothing, that give me nothing but chaos and destruction? Why don't I just submit to his will? And so I have to expose the darkness in my own life constantly so that way I can fulfill this command to walk in the unconditional uh, in the walk in the unconditional love of of Christ, and and I, I think one of the best ways to to wake someone up uh, in the morning is to turn on the lights. And so, if we're going to uh, expose someone to the fact that it's morning, they're sleeping in the darkness. The best way to wake them up is is to turn on the lights. And it may seem annoying, and, and maybe even a little startling, but the person needs to wake up eventually, right? And so that's what we're doing as we share the gospel. And, and that's what the light of Christ is supposed to do through us. It, it leaves no room for sin to remain in the dark or or anyone to keep sleeping. It, it brings them to this reality of who they are and who God is, which leads us to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. And so the only way we can truly walk in love is to also share that light with the sleeping people around us, right? Just like that light was shared with us and it woke us up from the dark, we need to share that light with the world. And shining light in the darkness is, is not hate. Don't ever confuse it with hate, but rather it's, it's the greatest way of showing love because we care about people beginning a relationship with Jesus Christ and not going to hell. And, and that's what happens. That's what that means when we refuse to walk in love, when we refuse to share the gospel with this lost and dying world around us. What we're saying when we don't say anything, when we don't stand up for our beliefs, is that we don't care if you go to hell. And, and I promise you, my friends, I, I have people that don't like me. There are people in my life, too, that I, I love them because they are a creation of God, but I don't get along with them. But I wouldn't wish upon my worst enemy or even the person that, that wished death upon me, I would never wish them to experience eternal separation 
from God in hell. Therefore, I must walk in love. Therefore, I must expose darkness. Therefore, I must turn on the light to wake up this sleeping, lost, and dying world. We all must do that. And the way we walk in love is simply by standing boldly in the truth of God. So I would encourage you today, if you're listening to this podcast, to walk in this world with God's unconditional agape love, which is going to set you apart from the world. And it's going to lead others to repentance and faith. And maybe you're listening to this podcast and you're not a Christian. I want to invite you to consider these things that I am saying right now that I have read in God's holy word. Because right now you probably realize this even before you listen to this podcast. And you might still be denying it right now, but outside of Christ, you are in darkness. And today is the day that you need to come into the light. God already knows your sins. He knows the things that you've done and you might look at those things and that might be one big reason that you don't want to come before Christ because you don't want to put those things in the light. But even the things that are hidden in the darkness, though they may be hidden from man, they are not hidden from God and God knows your sin, yet he's willing and able to forgive and save you. That is the great love that God has for you, that while we were still sinners, that God demonstrates his love in this way, that he sent his son to die for us. God knew my heart before I submitted to him. It was full of anger. It was full of hatred. It was full of envy. It was very evil. And even though I was young, I, I can look back and know that those things were in my heart. And I know where those things would have led me had I not put my faith in Christ. And I tell you again, that day I didn't put my faith in Christ out of fear of hell. I put my faith in Christ because of the great love with which he had for me, that he sent his son to die on the Christ, knowing how awful and dirty I was. I submitted to him and I have made it my mission, the mission actually that he's called me to, to walk in his love 168 hours of every week. And once a new week starts, I make that goal again. I'm going to walk in the love of Christ because he loved me so much, because he gave himself for me, I should also love the rest of his creation and do everything I can, give myself to a point to where the people that see me come to this understanding that if I can be changed by Christ, if I can walk in love, then so can they, if they would but submit to Jesus. So think about these things as you listen to this podcast. Are you walking in love? Are you spending time with Jesus, which is what you have to do to walk in love? And, and Christians, I promise you this. I've been there. I've done this. There, The times that I stopped reading the Bible, the times that I stopped going to church, the times that I stopped talking to God, I wasn't very good at walking in love and many people would have probably looked at me and not even realized that I was a Christian at that point. In fact, I remember a very specific time as I was walking away from a party. I was intoxicated 
and a young woman stopped me and, and uh this was a very short period in my life but it was very it was very uh damaging for my witness in the area where I did these things but before I did all these things I was preaching the gospel I was going to bible studies I was leading bible studies and then I stopped doing that altogether I let some of that anger I let some of the lies of the world persuade me to to kind of ignore my faith. I, I still believed in God. I knew I was saved, but I, I didn't talk to him anymore. I didn't spend time with Jesus anymore. And as I was walking out of this party intoxicated, this young lady walks up to me and she says, Hey, I know you. And I thought, Hey, cool. People recognize me. And she said, you're that Christian guy, aren't you? And I said, yeah, that's me. And she smiled and she said, I knew you were all hypocrites. That was like a punch in the face from God. God exposed a lot of sin right there in that moment. Not necessarily to her, but to me. And I realized that I had to, to wake up. I had to get back on track. That I wasn't glorifying the Father in my life at that moment. So, would you do that today? Would you consider your life right here, right now? Think about it. Are you bringing glory to Christ? Are you walking in love? Or are you walking in the world? I promise you, you will find more peace walking in the love of Christ. Thanks for listening to the Faith 168 Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review on whatever streaming platform you are using. If you have a prayer request or have a topic that you would like us to cover, Message us on the Faith 168 Podcast Facebook page and we will see you in 168 hours.